Hello, Carrie. <laughs> hey, Sandra. <gasps> Who are we? We, we haven't said that. We haven't said that in a while. Who are we? Oh, well, we are my friend, the screaming divas. <laughs> The screaming divas. Divas. Yes. And um, did we interview? We interviewed another tenor. Can you believe it? We we're interviewing tenors because we love tenors. Uh, not really. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I love tenors and especially this one. He's tall. He's good looking. Amazing voice. American tenor Brian Jade. Yes. It was so fun to connect with him. He's in Vienna right now. Uh, I think he's only mm. were two days of rehearsal. So we had to find out what in the world is going on over there. How are there? Uh, are they open? Can he sing? Is the what's the testing like? I mean, we just got some inside information mm. and uh, loved it. Loved this conversation. Great nuggets about social media. Yes. His wife works for social media company. And, and you know, I think we kind of gleaned a lot of information from him. Don't you? We yeah. sure did. Wow, you used wow. a very fancy word. <laughs> <laughs> and no, we have not been drinking. No, no we haven't. I've had espresso, people. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure and check this one out if you're a Brian Jade fan or if you're just one of our fans. Really great conversations, weren't they, Carrie? Yeah, it was super cool. It was fun to catch up with him. So yep. yeah, enjoy, people. Here's a clip. There you go. Bye. Bye. Be well. Stay safe. Bye. Sometimes when I'm learning music or having to memorize something, mm -hmm. um, I always look at it before I go to bed because your brain is working. Yep. And and you're not like because you're sleeping, so it's great, yeah. you know. So there's a way for you to kind of the next day. I always remember more if I look at it before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. I always weird. joke that I put it underneath my pillow. It seeps and in. I, <laughs> and I hope I hope Mr. Verdi or Mr. Puccini talks to me. You know, it's like. <laughs> <Osmosis>. <laughs>
then it became much better for him actually to kind of not have the anxiety mm. of going there and back and forth. Right. And also for me, he got so heavy because uh, I was lied to about what breed he was. Uh, <laughs> what so, is he? Is this St. Charles? He's a, he's a half King Charles uh, King Cavalier. Charles. And then the other half was supposed to be Shih Tzu. So he was never supposed to be heavier than 20 pounds. Uh, it turns out he's half Cocker. So <laughs> he's oh. 37 pounds. And so carrying him in and out of the opera house was, it became quite difficult. A big deal. I can't, well, okay, Humphrey is 198 pounds. So I'm not That's carrying that dog. dude anywhere. <laughs> Well, it becomes hard. It becomes hard to travel. Uh, we have to travel by train all the time within Europe uh, because a lot of the flights won't allow him unless we want to put him underneath. And I just swore I would never do that. So yeah. too many I, issues. Too many issues with dogs and, and too many issues. I I um I was reading because I'm in all these uh, forums for Saint Bernards about about that. And um, is it possible? And what do you have to do? And um, there's just so much. I mean, it depends on the airline. And now we have all these different rules and whatever. But um, that that's him. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, for sure. Little thing. <laughs> okay, so Sandra said we have to talk about this. Go girl, say it. Um, okay, we, we, we need to tell all of our viewers out there and first off, apologize to you. Yes. Because um, we Huge. have a whole other Brian Jade interview. <laughs> somewhere floating around in the ethernet that just um mysteriously disappeared oh my god i had a heart attack i seriously died we have to apologize for that and then and then how many times did we have to reschedule because it's winter time here mm. and carrie lost power and then i lost power so yeah, and, sorry, and family stuff. Don't worry about it. I'm so sorry for your loss too. Oh, thank you. You yeah. know what kills me is that, like, I know what your wife does for a living, you know, with social media. And I'm like, yeah. the one person I don't want to have failure with is oh, him. Stop. And there was massive failure this time. <laughs> don't even worry about that. It's We've just, never I'm had sure. this issue ever. No, so it's I, all Brian. Yeah, I've heard I think that it happens. It, you know, I didn't know. And I'm so glad I didn't know because we're like 90 interviews in and I haven't had this issue. And when I started researching it, I was like, oh my God, this happens to like corporations that they want to record things. And somehow okay. the Zoom doesn't convert it. And I kept thinking it has to be in there somewhere like where, and there was no retrieving it. We did, we did everything. I got my tech husband involved and I just was finally like, please tell Brian what has happened. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so where are you now? Yeah, I'm in Vienna. I'm in Vienna. I'm uh, at the Staatsoper. I'm singing uh, in Manon Lesko. So <gasps> it's oh, you lucky. kind of a whirlwind and yeah, it's a, it's a heck of an opera. Uh, probably the hardest one I sing currently in Italian. Um, in that it's heavy and kind of Puccini's sort of figuring himself out still, mm. uh, you know, because you can hear Bohème in there, it's not written yet, <laughs> and you can hear Butterfly not written yet, and mm -hmm. Tosca a little bit. So you know, he's still figuring it out, I think. But uh, it was—it's definitely a challenge for uh, most tenors, I say. How's I, it going over there? Are you? I mean, what's what's the latest, especially with crazy. COVID and all that? So uh, they're really uh, intent on keeping COVID out of the house because they've had they had some major issues in December. I mean, a, a bunch of colleagues of mine got it or or had cancellations, and they were just sick of it. And so, hello, soprano singing in front of you got it. How I horrible know. did so, I feel? And the fact that I didn't get it somehow is a freaking miracle. Um, oh, I actually, I'm, I'm gonna still knock on wood because I, I still to date have hadn't gotten it ever and. 
even before the vaccine hadn't gotten it. And, you know, I, I don't understand because I've been around people. <laughs> I should have gotten it. Like I was, well, a, a, you might've been asymptomatic too, you know, and you just might not have known that you had it. And the yeah. Is, they, they tell you, cause I was getting, whenever I was getting tested, I was getting antibody testing too. And never did I show any antibodies for it. I mean, in, in fact, in fact, I was in Chicago Lyric doing Butterfly right before, like right when the before the pandemic right. was announced, and there were like five people in Chicago who had gotten it, um, and I was sick for a really long time. And uh, honestly, it wasn't COVID. I, I thought it may, after the fact, I'm like maybe I had it, and that's why I never got right. it. Maybe I had antibodies, but I got checked whenever the testing was available, and I never had any antibodies. You're it's like really weird. That is weird. You're like that. There's a meme going around right now on social media, which is hilarious of uh, Keanu Reeves, you know, with his hand up from the Matrix movies with all the bullets coming in. He's like, no. And it's like <laughs> anybody that hasn't gotten COVID is this. <laughs> I, you maybe, know, maybe I'm in the 1%. I mean, it would be really odd, but uh, there's like a you certain amount of people who are immune, I guess, maybe. Or I don't know. I don't know. Well, we don't want to jinx you. I'm, I'm happy, you know, not on what people. No, I was I was there the same time as you with the butterfly, and I swear Brandon Jovanovich got it in in the peak dome because he got really sick and and they put him on steroids and stuff, and they didn't know. But Whoa. I'm wondering, like, so here the protocol is testing every single day. Um, they what? do a PCR. So what they do is they have PCR gurgle tests. Um, you gargle for uh, a minute in front of a video camera so that they can see you're actually doing it, and then you fill the tube and then you put it in a in, in the box it came in and then they collect it twice a day basically at the opera you can do it in the morning or in the uh, mid-afternoon early afternoon and uh then you also have to do an antigen test before your first rehearsal so they double test you every day which is pretty impressive i have to you say they're, really, they're they're digging in they're like we're not having covid in this house <laughs> we no, but I, like the the visual of like holding your phone and going uh... <laughs> Thanks, I, started to make it, I started to make it kind of fun. I started like making sounds and, and doing scales. Uh, doing your warm ups? Well, might as well do some warm ups while I'm doing it. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I heard Vienna, they've had just a tough row. It was not good. I mean, but you know, they're, they're, they're mandating vaccine by Feb 1. Cool. Uh, if you want to do anything in public in this town, you oh. have to be vaccinated. Oh, for everything, not just to work in the opera house. Oh, wow. No, I mean, the whole country is saying that's it. They're just wow. done with it. If are, you don't want to be vaccinated, then you can stay in your house. Like, because are, you're not going to go out to dinner, you're not going to go to the stores, anything. Are there demonstrations now because of that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there okay. are people who are saying, I think the, the biggest argument they want is another month, at least, hmm. to do it. Because this was only announced, I guess, a month ago. Yeah. And so it's a little... But I mean, by now, a lot of people are already vaccinated anyway. So they're right. figuring that other people have plenty of time to get vaccinated. Um, but there are special circumstances too. I'm, I'm sure there's medical exemptions for people who are, you know, I don't know, not able to take it. But other than that. Yeah. So you know how in America we just have that paper card? How yeah, are you paper. showing when you're there? Or is there a way to put that card on an app or something that they have there? Because no. So here they accept your your ID with the card. Uh, if they you're do. Okay. Yeah, because they know that we don't have a QR code system in America, which we should have. Every other country in Europe has it. Have we have one in Canada. No, it's ridiculous. I don't know why we don't have an inter. Uh, sorry, an interstate complete 
QR code yeah. scannable mm -hmm. thing. We just don't have it and we should have it by now. So right. Okay, I just right. was wondering if they were taking that. I didn't, you know. They will accept know. it, yeah. Everywhere we go, we, show, we have to show it. Okay. We we need to, to clarify um, how we say your last name because <laughs> it is always, people say to me, oh, Brian Yage, Jage? Jagzy. Jagzy, I mean, <laughs> and I know now. Yeah, no, so I get I get a lot of that. It's so funny. I even get it in Germany, which is where the, the name really? is from. Yeah, they're always like, how do you pronounce your name? I'm like, just sound it out. Like, as if, I mean, that would be the German way to say it. It would be like, mm. Jakob, right? But nobody says that. Uh, and, and for some reason, my family, when uh, they immigrated to the United States in the mid to late 1800s, the name got changed from J8 with an umlaut GDE. And that had evolved for many years from Jaeger mm. originally. Oh, um, okay. Like, like the drink. Like, like many centuries before it was Jaeger. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's from the hunt of the hunter to hunt. Okay. And um, then it became Jaegt or Jaegte, and it either had the umlaut or an AE. So anyway, I guess they kept the sound of the umlaut and then made the G like a Y. I don't get it, but we pronounce it Jade. It's Easy. Really there you strange. go, folks. Now you know. Now yeah, you know. Strange. I don't know why, I, but no, I can't change it now. It's too late. <laughs> yeah, to me, it just it just seems like okay. It's pretty pretty easy, and people that you know with my last name, they're like, "Ra ra." I said, "Just look at it and pronounce it," you know. But no, yeah, you your know? name is very simple to pronounce. But for an opera singer, it should be. I mean, we we we're used to sounding out things. <laughs> Yeah, singing in Czech and all that stuff, you know, like, hey, that's easy. If you can like, sing in Russian, but not speak it fluently, then, you know, it's well, pretty good. I think, uh, I think people have pronounced my last name wrong my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just so, where you put the emphasis on yours. Is yeah. it Alkema or Alkema? Or Alkema. Right. Alkema, oh, I guess, yeah. I think my favorite was Alkawa. I was like, what? <laughs> So they, oh. they they inverted your your M to a W. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was my <laughs> favorite. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, that's creative. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know. Let's talk a little bit about cancellations right now because uh, it's really interesting. We're we're just hearing um, so and so now instead of somebody saying, "Oh, they tested positive for COVID," we're getting so and so is indisposed or will be replaced for this performance. Like when I sang. When I was canceled the Tosca, I said to them, please tell them that I got COVID from the Met. And they're like, no, 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 we're just putting inserts into the program because we don't want to scare the public. Mm. So yeah, that's she's just indisposed. Yeah, I, I've heard this before and, and it's been happening kind of everywhere. It's like they don't want to say the, the C word because it's so scary. Meanwhile, the whole world is getting it. So it's like, Hello? It's, it's not a secret. Uh, I. I I, I feel like it's a little bit of an over uh, protective kind of method. I don't I don't think people are going to be that scared just because one singer on stage can't be there because they have COVID. The whole point is they're not there. So right. they can't get you sick and, and not for nothing, but it'd be really hard at the Met or any big house to get someone sick from the stage to the audience, especially with them all masks. Right. Um, but I, I guess you never know. But the truth is, if you're not there, you can't get anybody sick anyway. So what's the problem? Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a it's an extreme measure to to and the, the not announcing it till the last minute and stuff like that. That's a little 
that's a little much, but I, I can see that they're, they're nervous. They're obviously very, they're very nervous and they're afraid of losing more of their public when they've already still not filled the house very much. Yeah. I mean, we have, okay. Who's the Manon? Let's go. What'd you say? Who's the Manon? Uh, Asma Gregorian. Oh, oh yeah. amazing. It's my first time working with her. So I don't know, you know, much about her. We, we're getting to know each other. We've only been in rehearsal for two days. So oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fast and furious in the, in the land of repertory houses, you know? Yeah. So, well, I mean, Vienna, that's, that's it. You know, we we're so used to the Metropolitan Opera and, you know, yeah. other companies rehearsing for three weeks. It, it, you're lucky if you get any, Say, anything over five days is a lot orchestra time yeah yeah it's just like go this is the first time they've done this opera in this house for five years almost six years i think so Whoa. i think that's why we're getting a little bit more time okay. um, so we have about 10 days we have total before wow. we open. so uh we have two orchestra rehearsals on stage at the end of this week and then that's it and then we go up so we'll see that's that's unusual. Right? We should we should talk a little bit about that because yeah, sure. like Vienna Opera is is for, for us singers, we know that it's it's just kind of okay, move along, move along, move along. You know, it's like a it's like a little conveyor belt of the productions right. moving along because it's it's a repertory opera house. And they they will do almost a different opera every night. Mm -hmm. And you don't have usually there's not a lot of opera performances in a run. Right, three to five max. Yeah, and it's like, it's a quick in and a quick out, but audiences don't know that we're not rehearsing for weeks and weeks at a time. Yeah. It's, it's just, and we, as singers, we know, okay, if you have a week free in your schedule and you wanna put something in there, go to Vienna. Yeah, exactly. Or or any of like the German houses where you can do the same thing, like Munich, uh, if you're doing a repertory. Uh, sorry, repertory that's repeated throughout the season, or Berlin. You know, houses like that—they're they're quick in and out with when it, with things you've done before. It's great. It's hard to make a debut in a role, I think, with a shorter rehearsal space. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't typically do that. I re I remember getting a phone call from Berlin saying, "Has she done it?" And if you hadn't done it, then they didn't want to bring you in. It doesn't mean, I don't mean the production, just the role. Like, yeah. have you sung Otello yet? Have you sung Desdemona? That kind of a thing. And it's it was- It's not smart to, to do it without a full no. rehearsal period yeah. for your first time. Right. So, so like when we're at the Met and yeah. when Carrie and I were at the COC, you know, normally we have, it's usually what, two, three weeks of rehearsal, three mm. weeks. And we don't get paid for those necessarily at the met we get a little bit of a rehearsal fee but at the coc we didn't get anything no. so then oh, you get a rehearsal fee at coc they well they if they they build in some kind of fee that's with the union i don't know if you call that rehearsal or your um huh. housing fee or something but there's something extra through the union anyway go ahead okay. but then for instance now we're living in the era of covid which okay it's going to be here for a while so you go you're rehearsing for three weeks and then boom you get COVID. Yeah. And you don't get paid. That's right. Although the one thing about uh, the Met contract now is that you do. And nobody's talking about it. I heard uh, this, but I wasn't <laughs> sure if it was true. I thought it's that true. I, I heard that singers that got COVID were still getting their fee. But then I, okay. Well, that's the thing, Sandra. So I don't know. It must have started after January 1st because I don't, I don't know if you got paid, but I know that uh, like Quinn, 
when he had to cancel, he got paid. And now they don't, it's because it's because of a clause in your contract and you might be able to retroactively get it yeah. actually, Sandra, because um, there's a clause that says if they cancel you, mm. then, but the problem is the way you went about it. See, the only reason you even knew you had COVID is because you tested yourself diligently. Yes. The day that you did um, and then told them you had it, right? So maybe that's right. the, the loophole you missed out on. If you had said, I have a tickle in my throat now, they won't even let you come in the opera house. So even if it's well, not have, I would have sung potentially two shows. Yeah. With positive. COVID, giving With it COVID to everybody. I didn't get my test results back until Sunday. That's right. And I had to call Brian, who was in Mexico for a wedding <laughs> after after yeah. my performances and say, I'm so sorry, Brian. Oh, no, no. Like I didn't know. It wasn't but, your I felt, I, but I felt horrible. I mean, what if I had given it to someone, for instance, my dresser, whose husband yeah. is slightly immunocompromised? What if I had given it to her and she gave it to him? And it's it, they have changed now they have changed the testing but thank god because it took five days for me to get my test results back and from the net not the ones that you personally did no, yourself no, no, right. were... it, was, it was it was because they were so delayed and it wasn't the met that was delaying obviously they weren't the, delaying them but it was this it was the testing it, facility the testing because they're so overwhelmed yeah it was impossible in december to get a test in new york at all not because, unless you paid for it could you right? get like, test results yeah yeah, I was at a lot well, of So now if you if you literally I don't know if any other opera houses have the same clause, but yeah. if you are sick at all, they don't want you to come in. And even if it's not COVID, they pay you, which means that like you could technically not sing and get paid. Well, I'm sorry, but don't we think, don't we all think that this should be something that is standard now? Yeah, that would be great. Wouldn't it? it would make it a lot easier for us than because we're constantly singing when we're ill. I mean, we're always okay. singing when we're ill. We, <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Was it Aprile Mito who said that? Milo who said that? No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like the. I You're was never singing at 100%. <laughs> I was healthy for two days of my whole career, and unfortunately, right. I didn't sing those days. Yeah. I mean, you how know? many times have we said, oh my gosh, I feel amazing? That was an amazing show and everybody in the show felt amazing. It, it yeah. just, it never happens, you know? And I mean, how many times we had a Sunday, Saturday matinee in the Tosca and I was like, oh. Well, I'm, but how many times do we have colleagues that come in and uh, are sick, sick and sing because they need that paycheck for whatever reason. And I mean, all the time, you know, all the all time. time. Because there's no choice now. You don't, nowadays there's no choice. You can't, first of all, canceling the whole world finds out. It's not like just that theater finds out, right? Because it's not 50 years ago or 25 years ago where the internet wasn't really, you know, blowing everything up. So now there's no choice. You, you are, and you need the money. You, we need the money. The cost of living has gone up over three times in every major city and the fees have stayed the same for over 30 years or gone down. Yeah, can we talk about that too? I was I was oh, having God. a discussion with my accountant and he said, so explain this to me. Everybody gets a pay raise, you know, every year or two years to, to go with the cost of living, yeah. right? Uh, my fee has not changed 20 years. And some yeah. of them have gone down. That's <laughs> the truth. That's the truth. I know. It's not, it's not it's not helping the business either. I mean, basically the quality of singing will go down too, because, right. Cause you know, if you think about it long-term, 
Yeah. If we're having to work more, it means we're going to be more tired because this takes rest in between shows. You can't just sing every day full out in a full opera production with an orchestra. You can't do that, not operatically, not without microphones, you know, and, and also we're not really trained that way to sing with microphones, you know, we're, we're trained to make our own sound to fill a house and it takes effort. It's like a sports, if you're, if you're a football player, you weren't going to play a match every day. No, there's no way you may train, yeah. but you're not going to. Yeah, gonna... exactly. You can train, but that's different. When you do it full 100% on stage, it is 100%. So the, and... there's less money in the field, right? Which means we have to work more for the same amount of money that people were working for less back then, but it went further. Right. You know, now it doesn't go as far. So we get burnt out quicker. And so this cycle is going to continue to go down the drain until what? what what's, the, what's the end result of that? That's the question. And what, what value do we put on the arts? I mean, we have to put some kind of, okay, you know what? The arts are important to us. We need to, to raise this standard. And I know in Europe, at least, the, the opera houses are more subsidized by the government. Yes. They put, an, they put an emphasis on arts and culture in these countries. People know what opera is when they're kids. You know, I mean, now the only chance you have of that is an outreach program that I happen to do many of when I was, you know, in my 20s and singing for little kids in, in elementary schools. And even then, I mean, they're, you know, it's not enough experience and, and not enough emphasis put on the arts and they're removing it from their education. You know, kids get one day of art a week if they're lucky in a lot of school districts in America. But, and it's you know, all art. It's not just music, right? No, it's, no, it's all, all art. art. But you know and what I think... We're a country that doesn't have uh a, a uh what's it called an ambassador of uh arts and culture like mm -hmm. i i think that somebody tweeted this just like the other day i think that almost all countries in europe have this and not we don't they've uh, tried they've tried they've tried here it's just not important and i mean we've even had comments on our own show when we talk about yes when we talk about this and people some comments are the ones where it says yeah whatever art should be privately funded not by the government so i think that would that's another divide here one more terrible <laughs> terrible yeah. because yeah because we don't now we don't bring in as much money but the thing is we, they forget that we support so many industries especially think about the food industry yeah i mean look at look at broadway i mean look at all what do people do at before and after shows at the opera i mean they go out and well, they support other industries like around the met when 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 we were there doing the tosca it's amazing that whole radius around lincoln center is just gone because yeah all of the income that was brought in by people going to the theaters was gone. Very short-sighted, very short-sighted. There's something wrong here. There's something really skewed with our business. In society, it's a societal issue. I mean, we think about, it's all about money. It's always about money and it, it, it perpetuates itself. So if you don't fund it, then it, it goes down and it becomes less valuable. So it just, it's a circle that continues to go down a drain. It, yeah. it just doesn't really add up. You call it a labor of love, what we do. Yeah, and we fund it ourselves. That's not the other thing. You know, if we were football players, we'd have trainers that were provided for us. We would have ice baths after the game. Right. You know, it's a different thing. We don't get an ice bath provided for us by the opera houses. <laughs> you know, we don't, we've been on our feet for three hours and it doesn't matter, you know. It doesn't, I just it like doesn't a matter. massage, you know. I just 
Yes. I want a massage after I'm done saying it's like, oh, it's, wow. especially after after, ourselves and we yeah. have to train ourselves. We have to pay for our lessons, our coachings. We, we lose three quarters of our income every year to these things, depending on, you know, who you are and how much you make per year. I mean, most people at my level or, or below income wise are losing three quarters of their income a year. So then you are, you know, you're working for one fourth of an income to pay for your mortgage and pay for your food and pay, I mean, insurance, health insurance in America, you know, insane, insane. We just had to choose a new thing for starting in January. And, and when you're sitting there deciding for my husband, what comes out of his paycheck and do we need this kind of insurance? Do we need this? I mean, how much of the deductible are we going to pay each year? It was, I just thought, I mean, the thing is, is that you can't not have it because you will lose your house. You will lose everything if anything happens to you and you are gambling on your deductible on if you're going to get sick this year. I mean, it's That's a gamble. Great. And I, it's, I, I told him, I said, why do I feel like I'm playing Russian roulette here? This is madness on, on what we're deciding come, what comes, how much money is going to come out of your paycheck, which decides how you plan your budget for the year, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's insane. I have to say, um, when you guys were talking about ice baths i just always can we please put in our contracts that we have some body work after you put me on a rake stage that's like this because who doesn't no matter how in shape you are who doesn't hurt walking off walking off a rehearsal or a stage like that i'm the lord mercy yeah i mean you guys are more used to walking in heels than i am so you're used to a little bit more of an angle <laughs> but then, but then you go like this and you're oh, just okay. like oh lord mercy this is gonna be painful well, maybe <laughs> Maybe it's good that that men on the sky is updated because then you don't have to wear, you know, those traditional heels that I know. Uh, it's seriously. So, so why do you keep doing it? I mean, uh, it, first of all, it's a skill that I have. And I, I, <laughs> the only other skills I have are different than I, and things I don't want to do anymore or can't do as a career. And I, you know, when you spend also, you know, I spent what? 12 years before this career of mine really even started. Um, and so when you invest that much time in something and, and love labor of love, as we would probably make it uh, known, it, it, it's worth the investment. Plus, you know, once you get, if you can get to this level and perform in front of uh, audiences that really love it and, and in major opera houses, there is something very rewarding for that, you know? So yes, there there is something that that we gain from it emotionally that, um, that we can't deny. It's something that's in us. It's why we go out there every night and want to give our all, no matter how mm -hmm. bad we feel. And yes, we need our paychecks, but also we do enjoy making people feel things. I mean, sure. that's why we do this. It's a choice right. we've made. And yeah, I could change my whole life and uproot it right now and start a whole second, you know, tier life, so open up a bar on a beach somewhere, maybe. I don't know. But the point is, I'm there. I'll, I'm there with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I I've thought about it. Trust me. I think all of us have thought, you know, it was just, I was just watching the Australian Open and, um, uh, well, I was trying to, it's very hard over here because the timing is different. Um, right. But in America, I was watching a little bit before I left and there was an interview with somebody about how she, you know, this, this, I forget her name. She had won some matches and, and hadn't done that in a really long time and had advanced pretty far for her in her career into the Australian Open. And uh, she was like, I thought about quitting like most of us all the time because of how hard it is to do this job. And I was like, that's us. We are the same. It is very hard to do this job. And totally. 
during the pandemic, I must have thought about it every day. <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? What else am I going to do? I don't what honestly, I don't know anybody that didn't because financially, just talk just money wise, it didn't make sense to stay. It doesn't on, on any level. It didn't make sense for money wise. It made no sense to stay in this business. It really doesn't for most people. And, and um, that's that's the thing. I mean, I remember in college, they, the first day they were like one half of one percent of you will have a career in opera. And I was like, I don't care. I wasn't planning on being an opera singer, you know, <laughs> and here I am, you know, one of the mm -hmm. people who made it and it was only 60 people in the room at the time. So I don't even know. That's not even one whole person. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, it's not even a pyramid. It's like a pyramid. And then it's like a steeple. It's like it's like one tip. Yeah. No, we're and privileged. We we are very privileged. Massively. I agree. I agree. But that said, what is the younger generation going to do? That's yeah. what I always think about. I mean, when I, whenever I'm giving, you know, I, I work with Opera for Peace, this organization that's worldwide, and some of what I do is to work with um, our emerging artists. And, you know, when I'm talking to them, I'm always very real with them because I think they need to know what they're getting into. And of course, these are people we believe in who actually have the potential for a career, but maybe got missed over or, mm -hmm. or, or just need a little bit of a tweak. And then, you know, the sky should be the limit for them. And yeah, that's right. what our idea of them is, at least. And they're they're gonna do this for a job like that's what they want to do and so they're they're committed but when i work with you know really young people uh, I'm, I'm also working with the ventura academy uh, to do online coachings and lessons and stuff and when i work with them these are 20 year olds and i'm like okay let's talk about the business a little bit let's make sure this is what you want to do because mm -hmm. it, there's going to be a lot more work involved in this than i think you think mm -hmm. there is sure you know it, sure. it's, it, you have to, I think that's the reason I have a career. Like I said, I wasn't the person in college who everybody thought, oh, that's going to be the guy who has an operatic career. Like, I didn't even think so. So, you know, the, the odds of it were very slim. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the only reason, I mean, I had five jobs in college. I, I, I was paying for college by loading trucks for an electrical supply company in the mornings. And then you know, at five in the morning, I was doing that. And then I would, you know, show up to class and try not to pass out. And then mm -hmm. all day long, and I'd sleep four hours a night. And, you know, that you can do that in your 20s. <laughs> like, yeah. And then exactly. sing for eight hours a day and, mm -hmm. and yeah. get up and do it again. But you know, it takes it takes a lot of work, and you're constantly doing it. You're never done. Like you're still trying to learn how to sing, right? Totally. So, so does opera need to change? Uh, does the whole genre of opera need to change? Do we need to make it more like pop music? Well, you know, I heard your conversation that you had recently with another uh, guest and you guys were talking about this a little bit. And it's it's possible that the evolution of opera will go that way. I don't know that it, I don't know that it's opera if it, if it goes that way. I mean, as a classical, in a classical sense, but I mean, opera has evolved. I mean, look how it evolved from 1600 on. It was mostly like some choral music and really different styles and stylistic changes. I mean, with the evolution of microphones that really, I think there's only one composer who demands whenever he writes an opera that it has to be mic'd. I think it's John Adams. And um, uh, it's, it's, just, it's just part of the rules. I don't know why. Uh, it doesn't make much sense to me because the whole point of being an opera singer is that it's you know, supposed to be the most natural, visceral like way of hearing a sound yeah. come mm -hmm. out of somebody. And then you feel it in your body in a way that you wouldn't get from speakers like in a, in a movie theater. Right. And so there's something so special about that. So I, I would hope that it 
can be saved in that way. It, I would hope that it could continue in a more traditional sense, but the way, like we were talking about financially, how is that gonna be possible? And when the audience doesn't know. I, I have some friends that are voice teachers and what I'm hearing is that they're training these young kids, not only in opera, but in other, you know, for Broadway and stuff like that to be a little bit more versatile than just one road. Well, so. that's just because how can you have a career without maybe some other off ramps? Absolutely. I don't know that that works. Someone told I don't know. me with an art form that's so with anything, with anything, if you're going to be um, somebody at the top level of an art form or a sport, you know, you can't sit between two chairs you have to choose one because they fall between them if you don't it was like this old italian adage and i i took that to heart because it's really true you can't commit to more than one thing really if you're going to be at the top i you know i had a early on in my career when i was in college doing this um i had plan a and plan b and i remember i was uh, i'm a huge fan of going to therapy and i was Me in too. a therapist's office and she was like listen you can't she said the same thing you you're not going to be great at both of those you're going to be great at one so pick one and do it and focus all your energy on plan a if that's the one you really want and i took that to heart and i thought i'm going to jump off this ledge and see where it takes me and i'm glad i did that yeah i mean i totally get that my family was supportive but we didn't have any money you know so i was on my own since i'm 18 out of the yeah. house like what was it see you later hi and, <laughs> and, and i had a job i had a real job at 12. i mean I, I you know my family was like listen we can't afford clothes so if you want new clothes you have to get a job so i mean when you when you start your life like that you you get a you get a sense of what it takes to make it you get a sense of what a dollar's worth i mean there's mm -hmm. a lot of benefits but it's hard so it is hard First job at 12. I mean, yeah, I, that was my first like official job on the books. You know, I had done even before that I had, you know, mowed lawns for some neighbors and shoveled driveways and all that stuff. Babysitter. I was probably <laughs> seven years old when I, I had my first job, you know, doing some odd jobs for people in their yards. But other than that, I love it. I was oh, a bus God. boy at 12. My mom's a chef. So, uh, well, know, yeah, we, I, we talked about that. Yeah. She's how is that living with a chef? I mean, so it was really strange, actually, right around like six or seven, my mom started taking an interest in cooking. So before that, you know, we're talking like Kraft mac and cheese and like <laughs> a totally different mom. diet, you know, and then my mom started like watching during the days when it was well, like when we were at school, my sister and I, uh, she would like watch the frugal gourmet on TV and all the old timey cooks who used to do basic, really straightforward cooking shows, not this entertainment cooking shows. I mean, right. Yeah. You know, everything's a spectacle, but, um, but she learned a lot from that. And she started making a new dish like every night on us. She would just try it on us. Cool. That was like her thing. And then she started, she went to like community college to get like knife skills and stuff. Nice. And she was in the restaurant business for close to 30 years. Wow. Before she retired. I mean, it's a hard work, you know, she owned her own restaurant for a short period of time, which closed basically because the pan, went, no, not the pandemic, uh, because of the recession in like 2008. Yeah. I mean, she was owning a restaurant in Rockland County, which is just north of the city. Yeah. Cool. Um, and one year it was great. And the next year, you know, they couldn't even keep the doors open because mm -hmm. there was just no customers. Everybody could cook in their own kitchens, you know, right. it was, yeah. they were saving money. So it was just a different situation, but now she's retired and she's taking care of my sister's kids. And, you know, she's Love. that's awesome. <laughs> Did you ever say to mom, can, can we just have McDonald's for dinner? 
No, I no. never said that. My mom okay. is too good to cook. Okay. <laughs> and I used to watch her like a hawk. I was always obsessed with it. I think it's because it's it's like an art form. Yeah. Uh, I think it was another version of a of a skill that I thought was really cool and inventive because you can follow a recipe, but you can also alter it mm-hmm. and learn a lot about flavor profiles. And I I I, I worked in restaurants all until I had a, this career, basically, even while I was having it for a little while. I love <laughs> that. I waited tables in Gotham Bar and Grill back when it was wow. a really great restaurant and uh, Red Eye Grill right next to Carnegie. Red Eye Grill! Uh, Dancing uh, shrimp! I, 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 I demanded to not wait on Tom Hampson when he came in because I said I want to be on stage with him and I ended up being on stage with him three years later. So it's actually really funny. Did you <laughs> tell him? Miracle. I told him the story later, but when I, they, I didn't want to meet him at the restaurant. I didn't want to meet him that way because I had just switched to tenor and I uh, I knew I had a better chance of a career because it was the right fuck for me finally mm-hmm. after all these years of singing in the wrong uh, voice type. And I said, I don't want to wait on him. I want to be on stage with him. But of course the waiter tells him, you know, oh, we have an opera singer here. I'm like, okay, great. So yeah. he says, oh, hi. You know, he his really Tom Hampton <laughs> voice, you know. And uh, he says to me, <laughs> He says, I hear you're an opera singer. I said, yeah, yeah, I just switched to tenor. Oh, they tried to do that to me too. Ha, 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 I fooled them. You know, he's he's a great guy. He's very funny. And um, he was very supportive. He was like, well, keep working at it. And then three years later, I was in Santa Fe and he did the last like four or five performances of Scarpia. So, oh, cool. You know, it was a memory. It was a good memory. That's awesome. Right. It'll I make a good that. book, won't it? It'll make, it'll make a good chapter in a book. Mm-hmm. Someday, yeah, someday. Um, can we talk about some of the cancellations for you that were huge um, over the pandemic? And one of them was La Scala. Are, can we, are we allowed to have some inside information on whether or not those things are going to be rescheduled? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of them were rescheduled in times when I couldn't do things because I was, luckily I am, I was booked, mm-hmm. you know, four or five years out. And mm-hmm. so the benefit of that is I knew I had work coming and hopefully wouldn't be canceled again. Okay. Um, but the thing, some of the things I lost, uh, like I lost a, a new Aida in London, which is happening next year, and I can't do it. Oh. Um, I lost a Rusalka in Amsterdam because that didn't work out. The period that they put it into, I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some things that I was really looking forward to because I love those roles. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I lost my original med debut uh, in Tosca, which was supposed to happen in 2020, right when the pandemic was announced. Oh. Um, you know, lots of, I, I mean, it was, it was a crazy time, you know, the gigs, you would just like, I was, you know, re- rework a role for an event, an, an inevitable cancellation. And then mm. you would do and then it's okay, move on to the next role with your teacher and then move on to the next role with your teacher. Well, right. Then, I know, you know it's it kind just, of like, oh, take that score. Waiting, waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know. I know. And, totally. Hopefully it's not going to happen much more. I think, I think the new policies are kind of working. I think so. We'll I, see. So will you have your La Scala debut? Is that coming? I will. Um, I can't tell you when, but I can okay. tell you that it's the same thing I was supposed to do before, which actually they didn't even announce it because <laughs> the odds <laughs> are, the worst part about that is they didn't even announce it and they canceled it one month before because they knew there was a very high likely that it, uh, chance that it was going to be canceled. It was actually in 21 and it was canceled. Okay. So, and it was a replacement for another gig that I had lost, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Heartbreak but, after heartbreak. What opera is it? <laughs> Cavalleria Rusticana. Oh, gorgeous. Yeah. So it'll be in, a, in their traditional cap pag production, and I'll be doing that in the future. Uh, okay. Both of them? Uh, no, they, they wanted separate people for it. So I'm just doing, I, right now, I'm just doing the Cavalleria. I actually really would love to do the Pagliaccio because 
I think as a as a role, uh, it's just it has the the heart of the audience, even though he ends up you know killing someone. It happens all the time with tenors that they're kind of the anti-hero. They're mm -hmm. they're kind of loved even though they end up killing people. I don't I don't know why that is. Yeah. I well, I mean, there's a good reason that you killed her. Like Otello, like uh, <laughs> you know. Well, that was not such a good reason. But... but you still love him for some reason. Mm -hmm. You still feel for him because of the you you pity him for his situation, but not for killing, you know, his wife <laughs> for the wrong reasons. Wrong reason. Uh, yeah, I'll be doing that in the future for sure, but um Cool. I think, you know, I think all of us are given a gift. I think what we have in our throats, you know, Carrie, you, I, it's a gift. Absolutely. Where did yours come from? Did you have anybody in your family that was musical or? I mean, uh, my, my whole family was like, we were, when we were kids and, you know, before my family, my, my parents got divorced when I was in high school. So, and it was a good thing. Like, it was a great thing. Uh, it was like, we were all begging for it. You know? um, but um, I was like, thank God. But, um, you know, <laughs> so at, that age, at that age, you can, you know, understand more. Um, mm -hmm. But when we were younger, uh, we always had music playing. It was always rock and roll, usually classic rock and mm -hmm. some jazz and some, a little, like a tiny bit of opera here and there. It was never noticed really, um, but <laughs> it existed. It was one best of like, the highlights of Bohem with Franny and Pavarotti or something, you know, okay. Okay. from the big album. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, and the three tenors, that was it. But anyhow, uh, we would sing in the car all the time. And I learned how to sing harmony that way. I mean, we'd hear, listen to Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. And I would oh, always love. Take the, I would always right. take the part. And, you know, so I learned it. And I was always in choirs and choruses. But um, my dad, when he was in his elementary years of school and a little bit into college, maybe he had a band. Uh, and sang some rock that way. He had a voice. He was a really, a really pretty voice. And um, but nobody was trained. Uh, mm -hmm. And my mother could sing in tune, which was great. And so we all had like a, like a little family fun jade kind of uh, experience here and there in the car when it was uh, a good time. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of those are some of the the, the good times I, I remember from my childhood, which was great. Nice. Um, but yeah, my nobody had training. In fact, I, my first voice lesson I was twenty. So then how did you go to school then for singing? Like where, yeah. <laughs> what was, how did that work? So, you know, I, I was singing in high school and choir and I did musicals and stuff because I really did love it. Uh, and my grandfather, I remember my dad's dad, he said, I know you love to sing, but it's really not very practical, Brian. Are you sure you, you know, want to do this as a career? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know. You know, I didn't really have, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. Um, and I went to school for computer science and business thinking, well, I like to use computers. Uh, it doesn't work that way because coding is a whole different thing. Anybody oh, out there? Uh, uh, no. I mean, nowadays kids are learning how to code at five. So it's a totally right. different thing. This was 22 oh. years ago, but. Um, I wish we had those toys. The way, I mean, the way that they're teaching these kids, it's amazing. I mean, you can be an entrepreneur at six. Right. You know? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's, as long as you have a supportive family. But I mean, so I went there for that and I hated it. I mean, I was sitting in a cubicle typing code to make a screen say two plus two equals four with a line. And just to type all that code was, right. it made me so nuts. Uh -huh. um, and I, I was bored and I was still singing in the choirs in the college. I was at SUNY Albany at the time. So upstate New York. And uh, I heard about purchase university kind of having a new version of their program that they had had you know I mean uh some some singers who in the past had been there uh had made it and I was like well maybe mm -hmm. I'll just 
maybe I'll just try it out. I'll try out an audition. So I, I had two songs that I had memorized from when I was doing like the state competitions in high school. Um, mm -hmm. And I had those memorized and I added two more to the list and I got an audition and cool. I went down there and I had only memorized the two that I had known previously. I didn't even know the other two. I was so bad. I was terrible. I really didn't think I would get in. Um, and I didn't get in. I, I, they, by the way, they only asked for the one that I had memorized, which was just like chance, you know. And um, I was waitlisted. Oh. And then someone, someone didn't take their slot. They must have gotten a better college or one of the, you know, you know, bigger named colleges. And I, I got waitlisted. I was told in May before I, I was like, um, I called them because I was like, I don't know if I got in. Uh, <laughs> and I have to register for classes in Albany to do something uh, if mm -hmm. I didn't get in. And they were like, oh, you got in, honey. Congratulations. You were waitlisted, but now you're in. I was like, oh, thanks oh, for telling cool. me. Okay. So, <laughs> so I go to college and again, I, I wasn't planning on singing opera. I just love Broadway and stuff. And I thought maybe I'll, you know, I wanted to be Phantom of the Opera someday. Maybe, you know, that would be great. Oh, fun. I had been a tenor in a chorus so all uh -huh. of my life, my voice uh -huh. speaking. And when they started teaching me uh, at the college, it was all the things you learn about singing opera in the beginning, like lower your larynx and, you know, so do this thing. And so you're like repeating a sound and it was very fake. And so yeah. it made my, my sound a little bit more dark and baritone. Mm. Obviously some of that's natural for me, but um, it was, it yeah. fooled them enough to say, maybe you're a baritone. And so oh. I was a baritone for many years after that. But anyway, that's how I, that's how I, you know, got into college and opera. It was random, really random. <laughs> I want to talk about, um, A, it feels like the trends on social media are changing for more realistic content, I for know. more realness and not this fake bullshit we've seen forever, or these picture perfect images of opera singers and their gowns. Um, and I'd really love to talk to you about TikTok because that's something that's been discussed lately about opera singers on TikTok. So um, anyway, what how, what are your feelings about social media? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you use it? What What is your advice for young singers about social media? It's obviously something that's integral to a career today. I mean, you you can't not be involved with your audience and and it's actually a really good way to keep people involved with what you're doing because nowadays people are so quick I mean, they're reading, they don't read articles, they just read the headlines, you know, and that's how they think they know the news. So, you know, things are very, sure. very fast moving. And uh, you, if you're not online, you don't exist. So it, it's kind of, unfortunately, the, the way it went. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. the other problem is that it was mostly fake, and it still is mostly fake. Um, you know, most people are not posting what they're actually going through in their daily mm -hmm. life. Not that I want to know every time you eat, you know, or every time you use the bathroom i don't need to know you want to know what you had for dinner i just you know, don't to that degree i don't need to know but you know i do like when people talk truthfully and honestly and and say what's really important like having this conversation for instance i had a few of them even uh during the pandemic early on because i was like let's just talk to some people and see what's up but i mean I think the trend is going the other way. If you see someone flying privately as an opera singer all the time, they're not, it's not real. Like there's no way they're, they're one in a million people that get that opportunity. And it's just very rare. You know, um, we don't, we don't have that kind of career and we shouldn't promote it as if it's that. And honestly, it's not helping pick up audiences because when people think about this, they're still thinking, oh, it's this elitist, you know, for rich people only thing. And if we keep promoting all these rich wonders and not be real with people, then they're not going to relate. Nope. So the best thing we can do is make it more relatable and real. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a cost ad for young young artists now, young singers? Do you think that it 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 increases their cachet in a way? Or I mean, we're circling back to money again, but 
if you spend an hour or two on it a day, do you think that it's going to help them be more famous or get more jobs? I, I wouldn't go that far. I personally, I don't think so. <laughs> I think people no. think that. I think people yeah. do think that. And I think that's kind of part of the problem, right? Because again, you're trying to create something out of nothing sometimes. Um, I think it does help your overall accessibility to your public. Mm -hmm. And there are some entendants that are, you know, crazy about seeing what your, you know, uh, public image is and how many followers you have on Instagram yes. and yeah. all that stuff. And, and, and unfortunately, they do take that into account when they're getting record contracts out yeah. there. I mean, they want to know how many people you already have reached to. So you have an audience to sell something, right. even though they make no money on it. Right. So yeah. I, I in, to that degree, yes, you can increase your salary just a little, but I, it doesn't really change your, your financial situation. And spending two hours a day on it is ridiculous. I mean, it should be mo no more than like five to 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maximum. Maximum. I, there's a, there was a frightening conversation um, <laughs> that a manager had with a co an American company um, that was, well, we're deciding between so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so, and can you tell me how many, what her following is on social media? Mm. I know, I know, it's sad, isn't it? It just cheapens the art form more, you know? It doesn't, it doesn't really benefit anybody to, to worry about those kind of things. Can you sing? <laughs> That would literally be number one thing. And, you know, it used, to, you know, opera houses used to promote the singers because that's how you brought people to the opera house. You had stars, you had Pavarotti, you had Domingo, you had Carreras, you had Franey, you had people yeah. with these big, you, you created a career so that your house would benefit from those people. Now they got, they got into productions and they're worried about, you know, this production or that. Has it, brought, power more, has it brought more audience? The power um, shifted. No, think, no, <laughs> no. The it power hasn't. shifted away from the singers and the music, I think, and it's more into the drama and and the productions and and all of that. And it's it's really sad because opera without music is just theater. It's well, it's true. I, what's interesting is that the reviews changed too. The reviews, you know, three quarters of the review was about the production, not about the singing. Mm -hmm. um, which I, I always find so frustrating because I'm trying to find out, oh, I want to know about the latest whatever. And I go through and I'm like, oh, I don't care about that. I want to know like what, you know, how are the, the last singers? paragraph, right? And you go, oh, yeah, there were singers too. Oh, no, because I just thought, well, it's opera, right? I mean, opera is an opera without singer standing on the stage. I mean, absolutely. so yeah. I, I don't know. I just always thought that was so crazy. Oh, but Kate, can we talk about TikTok? Because I'm having issues with TikTok right now. <laughs> I don't know much about TikTok. I have to be honest. I, I don't either. Okay. I don't, I, use it. I don't, I don't use understand it. what it is. I mean, and then um, I've seen some, con <laughs> you know, people, there are other singers talking about this on social media and it's hysterical because somebody was like, I just fell down into the cesspool of TikTok. Why are people doing this? And they're like, dude, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, wait, hold on. Oh yeah, Carrie, they just said you're old. Okay. Uh, but then I found out that it depends on like how you curate what you're watching. So some oh. of this that I watched because I was just new and I got on and I was trying to, my own videos, I just use my dog, you know, Humphrey to yeah. see if I can make some fun videos with him, but um, just to see how it worked and how it transferred into Instagram and all this kind of stuff. But when I started watching this, I thought this is the biggest waste of time 
I've ever seen in my life. But people are watching this because if you get over a million views on something is where you can financially make money on this. I think it's a million. And, um, and people do this and they reach this and, but it's the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. And I'm just like, what is happening? Well, I don't then, know a lot of opera singers who are getting that kind of reach. <laughs> yeah, no, I've looked, I, I've, I wanted to know, you know, like what people were, uh, what they were doing, what they were getting. And I mean, you know, actually it was Jessica Pratt, um, mm-hmm. who we interviewed, yeah. who said, we are missing an audience on TikTok if we're not on this. And I actually like her feed. It's really interesting. And she does warmups and practices and um, practicing things. And even when it's bad, you know, and she's trying to fix something. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. Like it's fun it's to honest. watch. She just put a TikTok up of her. She stepped in for Nadine Sierra in Lucia in Napoli that's the other right. night. And she put a TikTok up of her when she died. She died too close to the, the curtain. <laughs> final curtain and so she did she's now calling it the jessica pratt fall or something and so she <laughs> fell back she fainted backwards to get out of the way of the curtain coming in and she i can't even tell you how many times i've had to drag a dead soprano's body so that we don't get hit by the curtain <laughs> so everybody wants to be downstage it's great i love being downstage too but once you're I dead know. Well, it's going to be my job to have to drag your dead you body. Gotta, you got to move. <laughs> I had the an opening night of the, the the Tosca at the Met. George, when I when I stabbed George Gagnizza, I was like, George, George, no, no, no. You know, so I'm like, Mori dannato, Mori. No, to the right more. Yeah. His, his head, the curtain came down, and here's George's head, and the curtain came down like here. I'm like, oh. <laughs> So his head was slightly sticking out of the curtain, like oh. The Adriana that the David McVicker Adriana, I did it here with uh, Erminella, and we were told. I mean, we're told to come downstage for the scene at the end when she's you know kind of crazy and losing her mind because she's been poisoned. And so we we were for far downstage, and when she would fall back into my arms, I would just take three steps back and then put her on my knee. <laughs> <laughs> because every night we had this chance of having the curtain kind of come and they would have to, they knew afterwards to have guys walk just in case they had to push it out around us. And then <laughs> things see the things the audience doesn't know, right? About our, our jobs and all the little things we do on stage, you know, and I think they appreciate it when they see the backstage stuff. They love finding out how the, you know, sausage is made to put it in a, totally. you know, it's uh, something that, that they, they really want to know. There was a wonderful um, New York Times article with Erin Morley uh, and the photographs of her backstage and what this photographer got was just art. It was just beautiful. And I thought, oh my God, like where, I want to see the moving. Can we take a video of this too? Just her climbing up and how they painted her feet to be dark and uh, like dirty and filthy. And and it was just so cool. And I want to see that. I mean, I think it's so fun to see that kind of stuff. So I think we need more of that. see Sandra jumping into a, a, a box full of foam squares foam squares listen and it was a lot of fun we laughed so hard i'm surprised that nobody ever heard it in the theater i was laughing I was dead, and, so, you know. the last night i took them because they're foam squares about like that big square round and i yeah. took them and i was throwing them at my dresser <laughs> we were laughing so hard and i thought one of them was actually gonna go above the castle that's funny you have to have fun too right I think yeah. that's what, you know, that's why we keep doing it too. Cause we have colleagues who we like and we work with and, and we can have a good totally. time too. We have to enjoy it. Otherwise, otherwise we would really not do it. Now, now we're yeah. moving to Italy uh, part-time. So we'll be by, by 
I guess. Coastal by continental. Buy something. <laughs> what yeah, what made you, okay, where and what made you guys decide that? A couple of things. So I, like I said, I, luckily enough, I have gigs for a, quite a while in the future. And 80% of my work every year, even for the last four years, five years has been in Europe. So traveling there and living in New York and paying for New York mm. is very expensive. And again, we were talking about money and I'm trying mm -hmm. to find ways to, how am I going to retire someday? Like, how am <laughs> I going to stop singing? I, I don't necessarily want to be like PD out there singing when I'm over 70. You know, I don't want to okay. be that person. I don't no. know that that's, I don't know that I could do this career like that as, 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 with any kind of energy you're going to need mm -hmm. at 70 years old. So I want to find a way out at some point. So I, I know where my journey will go. And, mm -hmm. you know, we don't have retirement plans. You know, we don't have, unless we set them up, we don't have them. Nobody teaches us any of that. And when you don't have somebody who's your employer, like a full-time employer paying into that with you. Yeah. You don't think about these things in your 20s when you're not making any money anyway you can't right. put anything away right. so you know you don't start your retirement i didn't i don't think i opened up a retirement account until i was 37. Mm -hmm. like now i'm starting from scratch so yeah. how do how do i plan for the future and so mm -hmm. one of the things i thought was financially it's going to cost one third the amount of cost it costs to live in new york that it does live in uh, italy yeah. mm -hmm. depending on whether or not we become residents of course there's the tax issues and that's very complicated and i, I don't even yes. try and go italy is it. a nightmare for that oh my god all, all the different countries here well you get stuff for it though i mean they have health care um, sure you can, you can go to a hospital and it'll cost you zero dollars right you know? um right. so you know there's there's benefits to paying more in taxes which we've considered mm. in america a little bit i guess Mm. I know in I know in Canada they have that um, high taxes, but we have free health care. So yeah, and you have to supplement it with some private, right? That's basically how it works. Yeah, when you travel, um, for sure. Like I going over to Europe now. When I'm going over, I had to buy not oh, only travel insurance but COVID insurance now too. Ah. They're, they're demanding that Canada's oh. demanding that. So oh, so where did you decide to go in Italy? So we're living uh, near Rome uh, in Lazio. It's on the coast. We're cool. near the water, which is great. Cool. I, I'm a beach guy. I love, yeah. I, I, I think I, I, I thrive on water. I need water near me. Um, me too. That's just who I am. Uh, so part of the reason is that. Um, also because we have friends in Italy and we speak, uh, I speak more Italian than any other language uh, except for English. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm becoming more and more fluent, which is great. And Jenna great. too. And so, you know, we're, we just decided that it was a good move for us. Plus the commute to jobs will be much different, much easier, right. you know, shorter. No right. much jet lag. I mean, coming here from America just now was, I mean, I'm still dying to get on the schedule. It kicks your butt and you can't, you can't do quick jumpings. And quite frankly, there's more work in Europe. So sorry. sorry. There's so much more work and opportunities in Europe. And I mean, it's worth it. Yeah. Because you can, you can get on a plane or get on a train or drive somewhere and be there in a couple hours as opposed to sorry i need two days you know to get there from that's so, a fact yeah and they don't have a lot of covers in europe for that reason because you know there's always somebody somebody around who can sing the role right know? that's awesome i love that so, so when are you guys making that happen i mean uh officially probably by the summer cool. uh we're, we're signing the deed in a few weeks awesome so congratulations yeah no it's going to be great the house is you know, I mean, the amount of property I get compared to the apartment in New York, it's like a totally <laughs> different thing. I'm paying less for more. Right. Um, so, right. and we're going to rent out our, our, our apartment in the city and cool. uh, 
and when we're there, we'll we'll rent for a few years before we do something else. And yeah, nice. Well, it's also quality of life too, right? Yeah, and I'm always going to be the you know New Yorker because that's where I was born and raised. But you know, it's just a matter of uh, finding sense. a way to make the balance. Again, yeah. I was I'm not home for eight months of the year, no matter where I am. So even if I'm in Italy, I'm not going to be there for eight months of the year. <laughs> so, you know, it's just oh my god, I'm so excited for you. That's awesome. Okay. Shall Do we? you still have time for rapid fire? Because I know we've gone over our, our time. I'm good. Yeah, I'm here with you. I love spending time with you guys. Yay! I love talking to you too. <laughs> you do? Yeah. So um if I don't you were an, questions too, so it's good. well, we're gonna change them up. Just yeah. <laughs> we're rude if like you that. were an animal, what would you be and why? Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I love my dog and I think I would be a dog because I would like to think that I could love unconditionally and that's what dogs do. Oh, <laughs> don't they? Oh my gosh. It is like cats. Cats no. have to have things, you know, they don't yeah. care if you're there. They just want you there when they want you, but dogs yeah. always want you. <laughs> you can touch me now, but not now, but now. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. I love that. I love okay. That. Um, what is a song that always gets stuck in your head? <laughs> you asked me this last time, actually. This yes, I did. Um, oh shit! Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and the truth is, I, I don't remember what I said, but the truth is, it's 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 anything. Actually, it could be anything. Um, for instance, sometimes uh something will be playing, and I don't realize it was playing in like a lobby of a hotel, but it kind of seeps in and all of a sudden I'm singing it out in the street and I'm like, why am I singing this song? And Jenna will be like, oh, it was just playing. I was like, what? So that happens to me quite often. Um, so I can't, I can't choose one piece, but I know that it happens. I get things yeah. stuck in my head quite often. Do you ever have it happen when you're done with the job that all of a sudden, like there's more of that music, that more of your role that's playing around in there. Sometimes I'm dreaming it. It's really weird. Oh, I don't yeah. know why that happens, but it's oh, yeah. like, Girl, why can't you remember that during the show? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's actually really funny you mentioned that because um, sometimes when I'm learning music or having to memorize something, mm -hmm. um, I always look at it before I go to bed because your brain is working. Yep. And and you're not like, cause you're sleeping. So it's great, yeah. you know? So there's a way for you to kind of, the next day I always remember more if I look at it before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. I always weird. joke that I put it underneath my pillow. And I, yeah, and I hope I hope Mr. Verdi or Mr. Puccini talks to me. You know, it's like <laughs> so last thing you Googled. Oh, that's a good one. Oh God. Uh I do know this. I just Googled the Australian Open because I wanted oh. to know the scores. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So that's what I did. Follow good. tennis scores. Okay. What movie could you watch on an endless loop? Oh man. I love so many movies. Me it's too. Really I would have a hard time deciding this. It's a tough, it's a tough question. I mean, uh, I was, I was just watching, for instance, like a movie like My Cousin Vinny, because it has so oh, many great yeah. memories from my childhood. And my yeah. sister always used to impersonate Marissa Tomei when she would say like, <laughs> I buy a logical clock is ticking like this or whatever. And so I and she was wild playing it. So it was even more funny. You know, it was even more funny when she said it. Um, mm -hmm. But but that's one that I could watch or, you know, I could watch The Godfather over and over again. For some reason, I love that movie or, or the second one too, or actually all of them. They're all great movies. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's a really long time to watch over and over again. So maybe Top Gun. I don't know. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. Um, most embarrassing wardrobe malfunction. 
<laughs> I can't even tell you how many times my pants have split on stage. So that, that <laughs> I mean, isn't okay, it? it always happens. No, it is, you know, they, they, they fit you really well, but then they don't realize that when you're wearing boots, it tightens the pants or keeps them in a certain position. So there's no room to move in them. And you get down to your knees and you're like, <sighs> or just, or they, you know, they don't take an account. You got to kneel a lot, you know? Yeah. I was, I was holding, uh, I, I was killing a Carmen in San Francisco at the end in a fourth act. And I was, I happened to be wearing uh, underwear that was with hearts on it at the time. And I don't know how many people got a view of that, but it was one of the most more embarrassing times. <laughs> I love that. Note to everybody, make sure you wear general looking underwear. Really dark well, color is better. Yeah, really dark, dark color is better. I Was it Sarah Tucker or Richard Tucker? I don't remember. I had to go up to New York and do it. I was a young artist in DC. I had just done a show that night and I, I thought I was Wonder Woman and I could get up and get the train at 6 a.m. and then sing that morning, like biggest mistake of my life. Not Well, not the biggest one of them. And um, I, re I was a mezzo and I remember I was in pants. I finished the thing. It was awful. Like I totally cacked a bee at the end of uh, Cinderella's aria. Uh -huh. And I got, I was just so disappointed in myself. I got in the cab to go get back on the train station because I had more rehearsals down in DC that night. And I looked down as I was getting out of the cab to get to the train and I was like, oh my God. I sang the whole thing with my zipper down and I had red underwear on. And I was like, hey. <laughs> you got the job. <laughs> But you know what? They'll remember you because, you know, when you do auditions, everybody, you don't necessarily call them by name, but you're like, oh, the girl with the red underwear. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes. there's a girl with the red underwear. It was just like, girl, when are you going to learn that you are not superwoman and that you can't do everything? It was just like a hot dang mess. Anyway. No, no auditions like that are tough too. I remember I, I jumped, I was doing butterflies in London and uh, Paris wanted to hear me and I, I was able to get this audition, but it was in between two performances with a day break in between. And back then I used to do that. I don't do that anymore, but I took the train down and I had the worst audition ever. And it was in the Garnier, which is like one of the worst places to sing because it's like singing into a carpet. It's, it's great awesome. for the audience, but it's just terrible for you. Uh, <laughs> it was an empty stage, you know, and I, I was I was exhausted from having sung a butterfly the day before and I had one the next day and I, I had one of the worst auditions ever. So now I just, I don't do anything like that. First of all, luckily I'm not doing many auditions, thank God, because I don't know what it would be like now. I wouldn't <laughs> even know how. It was like my job in my twenties. Now I have no idea what I'm doing. If I go to an yeah, audition. Like, okay, 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 okay. Carrie, go. What? Okay, this is a total cheesy question, but what is the greatest gift we can give ourselves? Forgiveness. What about others? Same answer. Okay, bingo. What is a trait you most deplore in people? Um, uh, inconsideration. That's true. When they're when they're when people are just they're just so selfish and they don't care about other people that's my that's my biggest pet peeve i get that all right carrie favorite question oh what is your favorite cuss word in any language fuck 100 <clears throat> percent. Uh, i think it's becoming the more popular answer on your show i started watching some more of them oh yeah um, i i just think it's so versatile and it you is. can use it in so many different ways, good ways, bad ways. I mean, negative, positive, it doesn't matter. It, it's just, 
it's definitely my favorite curse word. I use it a lot. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I think we all do, don't yeah. we? I think I mean, it, at some point it's not even going to be a curse word now, is it? Because it's, it's an just, adjective, it's a noun, it's a, you know, um, it's all. <laughs> it's all on my, all over my text too. But I love it when my phone tries to autocorrect it. <laughs> I get duck. I'm so tired of duck. It's like no, it's fuck. No, the <laughs> same thing happens with shit too. Uh, yes. Shot all the time. I'm like, yeah. I'm so tired of this shot. Yeah. yeah. Listen, listen. I don't need you phone whatever. All right. IPhone Our rapid it. fire has once again turned into non-rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Let's ask the last question. If heaven exists, why do you want to hear God say when you walk through the pearly gates? <laughs> Here's all your friends and relatives that love you and that you love. Oh. Obviously, it's been said before, but it's true. Uh, it, yeah. you want it, if, you, if, that, if that's true, which, you know, you can believe or not, but if that's true, you, you want to be surrounded by all the people that are that haven't been people. with you you know yeah. absolutely yeah. i'm i'm right there with you especially right now you know it's like especially uh, with the loss yeah well she's there yeah. mom's there she's having a fun time yeah chatting away with her best friend and my dad no so pain. no pain Right. We gotta, we gotta believe that. I, I have to believe it because if I don't, I'd be a puddle every day. So there you go. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's my honestly. pleasure. And and I, I promise you, we are not going to lose this interview. <laughs> Do not jinx me. Do not jinx me, Sandra. <laughs> Carrie, if we lose this interview, Brian will not come back. No. That's like he's like I would come back tomorrow and do a whole other one. We'll do we'll do live. We're just gonna go live. Screaming Divas live. We don't really do that because sometimes we say shit on here that we really don't want out on the internet forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay More well. Soon. Okay. We love you. Love you too. Bye guys. Bye. <laughs>